All right, Nehemiah chapter 2, the awakening of God's people. Let us rise up and build. Everyone say, let us rise up and build. And the verse I chose is from the message for those who are listening and missed the pre-service activities. And this is when Nehemiah is answering back to old Sanballat, Tobiah, and Gershom. He said, I answered them back saying, the God of heaven will make sure we succeed. We're his servants and we're going to work rebuilding. You can keep your nose out of it. You get no say in this. Someone say, you get no say in this. Jerusalem is none of your business. We'll come back to that and I'll read it from King James. But what he was doing is showing his authority that we're going to look at tonight. And what he was saying is, you can say whatever you want to say about what God's doing in my life. But at the end of the day, God's going to do in my life what God wants to do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit in this room. Come, sir. This is your room. Jesus is the head, but this is your room. Come, sir. Speak to my friends. Speak to me. Bring the word to life, Lord, and give hunger for the things of God. Speak to us. Let no one leave without hearing something that changes their life. May they locate themselves in the word tonight, and may they walk away from here tonight being fed by the richness of your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Number one on your paper, what God originates, he orchestrates. What God originates, he orchestrates. He is a divine orchestrator. I'm going to tell you tonight, like a master strategic or strategist, excuse me, God has been working behind the scenes. You know what? He got Sherry to the school she's teaching all by himself. He got Austin to the radio station all by himself. You cut me off in the parking lot at Sheer Changes. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> Did you see me? <laughs> Give Austin a hand. It was fun. I thought, oh, no, that was me. Um, but he got you. He didn't really cut me off. We just passed each other. Um, God worked hard to get you where you are. You ladies at Women of Hope, God worked hard to get you there. I know through the years they've said the house chooses you. God chooses you. And God appoints you. Um, God worked hard to get uh, Tina to Chick-fil-A. God worked hard to get Michael to Eaton. God works hard to get you where you are. God worked hard to get you at this church in 2022. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's a master strategist. He gets the players into position and the curtain comes up. And he begins to show his beautiful, divinely casted play in the book of Nehemiah. It's easy for us to say that because we know the end of the story. But Nehemiah did not know the end of the story and neither to you. Can I get an amen? He had no idea that his years of serving the king was playing such a great purpose that God had put him there. All he thought was that God had forgotten him and his people. You ever been there? You ever gone through a scene like that? Maybe he thought the years of prayer seemed unanswered. No signs of improvement. He's there in Persia, in Susa, every day, basically the same. He was cupbearer to the king. But I want to tell you something. You're going to follow Nehemiah. He comes into Jerusalem this week. The next few weeks, you're going to watch him stand against criticism. Stand against people fighting him. Stand against people who didn't want to rebuild. And you're going to see him and think, this is an extraordinary leader. But I want to tell you something tonight. He is extraordinary. But I believe that extraordinariness, if I can make up my own word, started when he was cupbearer to the king, right? It started with the people he helped. You just don't emerge overnight. Someone say, you don't emerge overnight. 
But all the days that he was faithful, all the times that he was working, being a servant. You see, we see him when his gifting comes to bloom. But what we don't see is the years of faithfulness. Nothing happens overnight. But God had him right where God wanted him to be. He was perfectly positioned. I want you to say, I am perfectly positioned. He had no idea how close he was to a breakthrough. Can I encourage you tonight? You and I don't know how close we are to a breakthrough in things we've been believing for, things we've been praying for, things we've been hoping for, things we wanting to see. Don't give up right before the breakthrough. Amen? Amen. Don't give up. God is very much in control. God is using your circumstances, and that's on your paper, and using Nehemiah's to position him and to get you ready for what God wants to do. Um, you ever played Connect the Dots? And it's so fun when you're done, especially when you're little. I'm not really much into it at 60, but when you're little, it's so fun, you know, just, ooh, doing that, you know, connecting those dots and getting it together. I'm going to tell you something. God is a master connector of dots. And someday you get to a point, you look back at your life and you think, God did all this. God connected the dots. He got me to the right place and the right time. If I were to pass around the microphone to even those listening tonight, it would be amazing if we learned how you even came to this place. I remember Donnie sharing about he and Leanne. And Leanne was so afraid of this church, she wanted to bolt out the front door. Aren't you glad Leanne didn't bolt? I mean, she was just so overwhelmed with the way we worshiped and we're a little crazy, you know. But Donnie said, we've been called here. God got Queen Esther into Persia as an orphan. Sisters of Hope that have studied that with me. He put her there for many reasons. But one of the side reasons, we always think it's this or that. God put her there for that moment so she could get Nehemiah into the very center of Persia so God could do amazing things. God is a master strategist. It says on your paper, I've already read it, in the meantime. Everyone say, in the meantime. Meantime means sometimes that time can be mean. Are you with me? And it can be mean. I was talking to a server on Sunday, and Jan and I were there. We had several people from the church with us. When they left, Jan and I stayed three more hours because we not seen each other since 2006. We talked, we not seen each other, and we were encouraging the server, and I was telling him how I served for years as a waitress, and and how God used it to train my life. But sometimes when you're waiting for things to happen, the time feels mean. But God will use the meantime. Someone say, God will use the meantime. Here's the deal. Your life is tied to a God's master plan. Loving your spouse, raising your kids for those that are faithful in your job, finishing your education. You see, there's a greater context for everything that's going on in your life. All you can see is you. All you can see is your path. All you can see is the journey you want to take. But there's a greater context. You and I do not belong to ourselves. You say, well, Pastor Rhonda, when I compare myself to Nehemiah, he went into Jerusalem and rebuilt the people of God, and he awakened them. We'll get to that in a moment. But I'm going to tell you today, you putting food on your table, you are a Nehemiah. You being faithful at your job, you are a Nehemiah. You staying faithful to raise kids, to finish that education, you are a Nehemiah. And there is no telling what the future is going to hold. Can you say amen? 
The problem is, number two, that Nehemiah could have done and you and I could do, there's a tendency to confuse success with the rewards of success. You see, we know there's a link to what we're doing, and the closer that we can tie you together as a pastor and exhorter, that is my heartbeat, to tie you to the context of what God wants to do through your life and to encourage you. But the problem is, if you start, number three, success is remaining faithful to the process God has laid out for you. You see, you are where you're supposed to be. Being faithful right there means so much to God. You think this doesn't really matter to what I want to do. This doesn't really matter to who I want to be. But you are successful. Listen, there are mile markers. Remember kindergarten graduation? Remember, maybe we all didn't graduate high school. That's cool. That's cool. Some CEOs of the biggest companies did not graduate high school. Look it up. God can still use you. Say, God can use me. But you remember those moments that there were mile markers when you maybe you got a raise or someone said you did a good job. When was Nehemiah successful? He was successful the first day he was faithful. Right there serving the king in a place he did not want to be. You think you want to serve a king that his ancestors have destroyed your city? You're in there being his, I want to taste your drink and make sure you're not going to get poisoned. But he kept being faithful. The secret to being using by God to awaken others and to rise up and build in your own life and lives of others because we're all leading someone. You're leading yourself. I want you to say, I'm leading myself. And I want to tell you in church, if I could get anything across, it would be someone's watching you. Are you being faithful? Are you being consistent? When you, you know, are, are you doing what you're supposed to do? Because someone's watching you. He was successful the first day he was faithful. He, you're successful as a parent. So when are you successful as a parent? When your kids, you know, uh, at 80 get to some point of life? No, you're successful every day when you show up as a parent. Can I get an amen from a parent in this room? You're successful every day you show up for vision. Here's the deal. Others may not recognize your success until they see the rewards, but that does not diminish your success. Don't wait for someone to celebrate your process. You know, have you ever, I think I said this a few weeks ago, you go the first time you ever did crunches, you know, everybody talks about it. You come home to look, you just know you're going to be different. Come on. You do one leg lift, you do one, you know you're just going to have like a gun on your thing. But everyone say it's a process. Most of the time, even when people are trying to get in shape or lose weight or get um, clean, you don't see the results for a while. But number four, if I don't consider myself successful until I see something happen, then I'm only inches away from considering myself a failure. You see, if I don't see, if you don't see what you're doing right now is successful, that you're where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to do, no matter who's around you, no matter who gets on your nerves, no matter what happens, you'll never see yourself as successful. We had a great service Sunday morning, didn't we? It was awesome. I spent an hour Sunday afternoon encouraging, and I asked her if I could share this, my friend Jan, that her ministry was fruitful. You see, I have been around that for too many years to know you can, people can be so blessed by what you're doing, but if you don't see what it's doing, and she wasn't discouraged, she just got 2020 and um, has been off the road a long time and not being a pastor, 
And I said, well, let me tell you about this person you prayed for. Let me tell you about what happened with this person. Let me encourage you with this. And she said, stay in the flow, stay in the flow. And we started laughing. You're flowing now. But what I was trying to remind her is you are making a difference. If you wait until a crowd of a 1,000 people give you a standing ovation, let me assure you, you are going to be waiting the rest of your life. You've got to learn to clap for yourself. You've got to learn to tell yourself, you did good today. You made it. I looked at myself in the mirror, my 67, because it was a hard day today. I'm not going to get into that. It was a tough day on many planes. I didn't sleep good and then just had to take care of many things. And I looked at myself when I got in the car, and all I could see was, um, this is on my way to see Leanne, my wrinkles and everything wrong. And when I pulled up, I heard my husband's voice say, when I pulled down the mirror, you look pretty. And I said, you look pretty, Rhonda Davis. You're 60. You got wrinkles, girl, but you paid for them. Come on. You lived a good life. Sometimes you've got to, in the book of, um, I can't remember which book it is. I believe it's, we always say it one, Philemon. Philemon. Um, it says to acknowledge every good thing. Someone say every good thing about yourself. Yeah. I mean, we're always encouraging other people, but occasionally you need to pull down the mirror and say, you made it through today. You didn't kill anybody. You, 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 you didn't hurt anybody. You didn't destroy anybody. You are doing better than you think you are. I want you to say, I am doing better than I think I am. There was a, there's a very famous, and are you going to fill the rest of those blanks in? Now I'm going to be OCD and watch you. Um, there was a very famous... Um, evangelist and his brother this evangelist is still worldwide known his brother not known in that but a faithful man and when they were evangelists they were traveling and souls were being saved his brother got an unction from the spirit and rushed home and his brother who was an evangelist like him and they preached together was preparing to take his own life and he was able to stop him I remember when this information came to Pastor Hank and I eons ago when we were evangelists I was in shock how is that even possible but what he said later is I allowed the enemy to steal from me my own progress I allowed the enemy to steal from me the ways I was successful and all I did was compare myself to other people you know what you need to put that I know men like I don't want to uh, Beth Moore used to say that men look in the mirror and say, oh, that big old beer belly, it looks fabulous, you know. I'm looking good. And a woman will pull down the mirror and see 10 things she doesn't like. Can I get a witness? Um, we won't use beer, food belly. Okay, sorry about that. But I'm going to tell you something. Acknowledge. I want you to say acknowledge the good things. Speak to your own self. The psalmist said speak to yourself. Encourage yourself. Say to yourself, hey, self. Hey, self. You, you did good today. You made it. You showed up today. Success, in my opinion, is showing up and staying faithful to the process. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go ahead. It's a good word. Put your hands together and break off that back there, girls. Come on. There you go. Good girl. Good girl. Good girls. Good sisters. Good girls. Sorry. Sorry. But sometimes we're in the middle of the process. We're in the middle of the process we don't consider what your page says right there, that verse. Waiting on God's time may be a frustrating time, a painful time, and a difficult time, but it will never be wasted time. As I've said over and over again, the only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing you had waited. And then end up with the results of that when you did not wait. 
The verse underneath that is from Isaiah 30 and 18, also from the message, but God's not finished. He's waiting around to be gracious to you. Brittany's gathering strength to show mercy to you. God takes the time to do everything right. Everything. Someone say everything. Those who wait for him are the blessed ones. I'm going to tell you something. He's the master strategist. He is in control. You and I have to surrender to him. Nehemiah had a surrendered life when he was a servant of the king. So when God moves him into the ultimate position, no position is greater than other. If he had died as cupbearer, he would have been successful. But when God moves him into place to do what God called him to do before he was in his mother's womb, all the days of his success came together. All the days of being faithful, he became extraordinary. Someone say amen. All right. On your paper, let's read the verse. I'll read it out loud. You can read it silently. When I came, this is Nehemiah, when I came to the governors of the province, I delivered the king's letters. Now the king had sent along captains of the army and horsemen to protect me. Now I want to explain this to you. Look up for one second. He receives, he asked last week, he asked the king for his letter of authority. He was going to travel a thousand miles across many provinces. This was scary days. And they went along animals. There was no vehicles. I'm sure you know that. But he asked for letters of authority. Number five on your paper. How does that relate to you and I? The two resources provided to Nehemiah, authority and materials, profigure the way God equips us today by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. A, badge of authority in Jesus' name, right? Jesus' name. Yes, Jesus' name. Stop there and we'll get B. Here's the deal. Here's the thing that always happens for us. Supplies will not be limited to us. It is in Jesus' name. He had the king's name, but we have King Jesus' name. B on that same number five. Always sufficient resources. Don't you love that? A renewable supply of divine grace and redeeming power. How many know that God intends for you and I to live in an inexhaustible amount of grace and power. Can I get an amen? See, watch, brothers and sisters. Nehemiah was invested by the king with a higher authority than Sanballat. You're going to come to despise Sanballat because he tries to make life miserable. He is the enemy in here. There's always a protagonist, and he is it. He's a governor. He had authority but he had been using the people in horrible ways. You'll find that out. Nehemiah came with authority above Sanballat. He came with letters from the king. So when he was stopped from province to province, he had authority. Everyone say authority. From the emperor himself. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I give you my authority that in my name you would speak. In my name you would believe. In fact, in John 14 and 13, he says, Whatsoever you ask in, Jesus said, The Father will do to you because do for you because all authority. I want you to say all authority has been given to me, says Jesus Christ, in heaven and earth. So what he's saying is, what you ask in my name, it will be. You and I have throne rights. Someone say throne rights. We live in this fallen world where things are going bippity-bump all day long. Come on, somebody. And bippity-bump doesn't even explain it. We're in a scary world. Are you with me? But we have throne rights. Nehemiah had the letters from the emperor. What are you doing? 
with the authority God has given you. Senbalt's authority was over Jerusalem, but he was upped one by the king over all provinces, the king of Persia. Holy Spirit has come like Nehemiah. I want you to say, Nehemiah means my comfort. Holy Spirit means my comfort. Same thing. Nehemiah is a picture of Holy Spirit through this whole book. Holy Spirit has come to enforce King Jesus' orders over you and I. What he has predestined before the world began, before you got on the wrong path, before this happened and bippity-bop and that and this, he has decreed some things. Holy Spirit comes to enforce the king's order. So listen, when the devil seeks to drop a pail of gloom over you or distress you and a spirit of heaviness comes upon you, anybody me just had a spirit of heaviness come upon you at a rare time in your life? I have. I know you have too. Raise your hand. Let the angels take a snapshot that you're agreeing. All of a sudden that heaviness comes upon you. But when it does, we have the authority of the king. And we can say, you have no authority here. You may make me cry. You may vex me around. You may push me and bully me and make me close the curtains. But at some point, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say, you cannot bully me any longer. I have the authority of King Jesus. Come on. I have the authority. He is over everything. God has given him a name that is above every name in the heaven or the earth. At the name of Jesus, demons tremble. At the name of Jesus, darkness falls. It is that name. Someone say that name. And we are to lose that. Since the fall, listen to me, there's always going to be a sin ballot, Melissa. Since the fall, his name is the adversary. And he's always going to try to come to claim authority. Send ballot. We read in the beginning, I'll read in a moment. He tried to mock what Nehemiah was doing. And that's when Nehemiah said, off with your head. No. That's when Nehemiah said, you have no business with us. Sometimes you need to tell depression and fear and the midnight torment, you have no business with me. It is none of your business. I have authority in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. I have authority. The powerful thing is, we have to claim that higher authority. Just as Nehemiah traveled through those provinces with the letter of the king, anyone said anything to him, he just handed him the letter. That's why he asked for it. Anybody bullied him, he just handed them the letter because he's a Jew and Persia was ruled by the king of Susa. And he would hand them that letter. You and I have got to start taking the word of God, the spirit of the Lord in the name of Jesus and start fighting back. And when we go through provinces of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, Cleveland, Chattanooga, Ottawa, and Polk County, come on somebody. We have got to use the name of Jesus and the word of God and stop being bullied. Temporarily, we all sulk down, don't we? Temporarily, we all get pushed back. But then we stand up and we say, I have authority. You might can bully me and I may have to get up 17 times this day. But in the end, I know who has the last word. Amen. Amen. Let's give him a hand tonight. Praise his name, Jesus. So here you go. So from the king's hand, follow me. He sent the letters and a contingent of soldiers. Everyone say military. To secure this mission. I want to tell you something tonight. Expect the Holy Spirit to provide to you 
an angelic guard and force. They will stay with you regardless of the time you live upon this earth, and then they will take you to heaven to see Jesus, or Jesus will come and help them take you, however that looks. No matter how long the arduous process is of God rebuilding inside of you, which is coming up in a few weeks, we're going to talk about Holy Spirit rebuilding those broken places inside of us. He will. Psalms 91 said he will give his angels charge over you. Angels is plural. Everyone say plural. What does plural mean? More than one. Grammar students, you are fabulous. More than one. But it says, they will, their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And since the angels is plural, most theologians concur, which is odd and unusual when theologians agree that you have two angels with you all your life. When you were thugging, when you were in sin, when you're like me, walk down a detour, you shouldn't walk, your angel stayed behind you the whole time. Oh, I've heard people, Pastor Hank, the men that he dealt with, I've heard of people, and I'm not, I don't want to trigger anybody, but in all kinds of situations, and they would look up and see an angel standing at the door because they're going to stay with you. Like the psalmist said, where can I go from your spirit? If I sin up to the heavens, you are there. Or to the bottom of hell, his angels come. They are your vanguard, your bodyguard, your rear guard. Come on, somebody. Sunday morning, if the Lord allows me, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching Sunday morning. I'm going to tell a story, if not this Sunday, another time, of someone who got healed by an angel right back here from just unbelievable things in our church. He's, I've actually told his story on international television, but that doesn't make it any better. It's just a great story. Someone say great story. The contingent of horsemen and military were sent to demonstrate to you and I that we are not alone. We are having an awakening. The people are going to be awakened. We're getting to that. They're going to rise up and build. You and I are going to rise up and build. We're building the days to come in this church, and we're building the kingdom of God, and we are being rebuilt inside. The broken places will be healed. We'll come into a fuller agreement of that. We'll walk into greater authority, and as we do, the angels, the Lord of hosts, Sabbath is his name. He has multitudes of angels everywhere and someday the curtain is going to be drawn back and the drama we thought we saw will pale in comparison to the drama we didn't see when you turned left and you didn't that didn't happen to you when you went out and you got in whatever that looks like to you God's going to replay the tape he's going to put it on rewind and he's going to show you the angels of the Lord kept you going forward someone give Jesus a hand clap of praise how powerful letters of authority and the angels of God and the Holy Spirit so let's move on above number six it says it was very displeasing and that was Sanballat everyone say Sanballat Tobiah and Gershom some call him Gershom I don't care someone say it was very displeasing to them that someone had come to seek the welfare of Israel no don't miss this they were mad because number six the enemy hates to see restoration in any area of our lives or the lives of others they were mad because they had had control over this area you'll find this out when they come to fight Nehemiah it's intense they are so wicked in their vile insults it was very displeasing to them. And this is the bottom line, as it's been said. The well-being, some, it says, some say the welfare, translations. 
They did not want anyone to say, you doing okay? Are you good? Are you prospering? No, they didn't want anyone to even inquire of the Jews living in Jerusalem whose gates were burned down, in case you missed last week, whose walls were destroyed. They had no semblance of who they used to be. These evil Jewish leaders, some were very religious. There's nothing meaner than a religious person. Come on, somebody. And they, I mean, a mean religious person. Look at your neighbor. She's not talking about you. She is not talking about you. But you see, here's the deal. They wanted, they wanted these people to stay. I'm going to tell you something. Pastor Hank used to say this all the time. I, I hear him talking to men all the time. Well, nobody was bothering me when I was over there. Nobody was being mean to me when I was. I'm not, I'm, I'm not filling the blank. I don't want to trigger anybody. Nobody was. But now that I'm trying to live for God. Can I get an amen? It's like all hell is broke loose. That should be your first sign. You're on the road to redemption. Come on, somebody. You're on the road to redemption. I mean, we think before I went back to school, I was just happy watching cartoons and eating candy. Um, I, I, was just, I was just being so sappy happy. But then when I said I'd help with that Esther project or queen for the day, dear God, the demons ascended from the pit of hell. When I started leading worship, amen, everything was fine until I went over there to the keyboards. I'm talking about him, not me. Everything was fine until I said I was going to help that that family didn't have anything everything was fine until I said I wasn't going to cuss like a sailor at work anymore everything was fine until I said I was going to try to demonstrate Jesus and dear God the demons from the hordes of hell showed up come on you see that's a perfect sign because it's an indication of the process that God is restoring you that you are on the right path Come on, warfare is a sign that we are pursuing the things of God. Amen? Amen. Listen, I don't, that's coming up a couple weeks, but um, I told a story in one of the videos we're doing. I don't know if that's next week or next, but I'm not going to tell it right now because it's on one of the videos that we did. But it's amazing the voices people tell me they hear about what they do. You don't make a difference, that's coming up. It's amazing what they deal with. I don't matter. I'm not doing anything because we look at someone else and we see them on their high real day. Come on, somebody. We see their Instagram picture that they have filtered 17,000 times, and then we don't even recognize them in person. Come on. Um, we don't even know who they are. We see this thing that people filter in life, and, and we see them on their best day. They come in, you know, looking so awesome for the Lord, and we didn't see that they just screamed at someone at the stop sign. Because we want people to see what we see. But here's the deal. When you start seeing the enemy start, you're going opposite ways. What Pastor Hank used to say. You're going, some would say, against the flow. As long as you're in the flow, it's not going to come after you. But these were Jewish rulers. But listen to this. To think that this spiteful ruler named Sinballat is grieved that a man, listen, from the king has come to help the oppressed and needy people is so characteristically satanic satanic you see the things we do at this church through we feed people the work we do with the homeless and we're going to do even more that the work we do we rebuild um, people in recovery from all different things just rebuild lives to encourage you who you are in the Lord all those things there I don't want to get too stronghold right here but there are warlords that don't want that there are warlords that I'm not even talking about some spirits I'm just talking about pharmacia that has people I'm talking about things that people that 
benefit off the poverty of someone where we don't we want you to get out of poverty we want to teach you how to work a job and have more than enough we want to teach you how to have your own house come on somebody but the lords of poverty whoever they are don't want that because it breaks the rules someone say it breaks their rule it breaks their rule over people send ballot was ruling the people he wanted them kept down living in this state of not enough living in this state of not being protected and then nehemiah comes to rebuild them to nehemiah 2 and 17 i'll read you says come let us rebuild the walls of jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach someone say reproach remember from last week hang with me Repro reproach means living beneath the glory so look at the next this this two statements just stunned me when they came when it came to me i mean it came to me but it still stunned me israel had grown accustomed on your paper to the city being torn down and hardly anyone noticed anymore they had lost sight of what could be and should be and nobody seemed to remember what used to be here's the deal you know you can live with something so bad have you ever done that I mean, I see people, and I've, I've had some bad vehicles in my life. I'm not, listen, I, I could give you, I could just take the next hour and tell you things that would go wrong in our vehicles through the years. But I see sometimes where people have taped things. I've done that too through my life. And it's like, they'll drive that for years and, and understand they may not have the resources. That's, I'm not smiting them. I want to say in my life, sometimes you don't even notice, let's say in your house, things are wrong till someone comes over. Can <laughs> I mean? You know, you don't even notice that spot on the wall. You become accustomed, say accustomed. The same thing as we become accustomed to our fear. We become accustomed to our anger. That's broken down walls. We become accustomed to the way we've lived and we don't even know that we're living beneath the glory, accustomed to our addiction, accustomed to our pornography, accustomed to just living in this state. Their natural esteem had sunk to such a point in Jerusalem, they were content to live in a state of disgrace and dishonor. We've all been there. Israel's not just another nation. They were the nation that was supposed to bring the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something. What God has put you on the earth has a greater context of things than you can ever imagine. Nehemiah had no idea that he knew, he knew Jesus would come, Yeshua, the Messiah. If he had not done what he did, we'll get to that in a few weeks, he, Jesus Christ would not have had a place to come to the earth. I want to tell you something tonight. You are here to bring Jesus to something and somebody through your broken walls, your gates that are burned with fire, Jesus wants to use you. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus wants to use you. But no one could have guessed it looking at their conditions. Their glory's gone, their temple's gone. But I'm going to tell you something. Nehemiah knew God was not finished. And here's the, here's the, the statement that'll be a game changer. Holy Spirit will not stop motivating you and bringing hope to you. Every time you get hopeless about your life, hopeless about your hurts and habits and hangups, hopeless about your weaknesses, and you go bury them in the backyard, you're going to find Holy Spirit vicariously digging them up the next morning. Can I get an amen? And he's going to keep holding up hope. Someone say hope. He's going to keep awakening you. They had been contented to live without protection, accustomed to the fact their walls were torn down. These were perilous times. Over years they lost sight of what could be and should be. And like I said, nobody seemed to remember what used to be. I'm going to tell you something tonight. If you've let go of something in your life that made you great, get back to it. Get back to it. In different seasons of my life, Holy Spirit said, Rhonda, this is not what made you great. Binge watching 
this on Netflix is not what made you great. I mean, it's entertainment. I'm for it. I'm for it. I think you should entertain yourself with right things. But this is not what made you great. What made you great was your dependence upon me. What made you great was you looking into the things of the word. Sometimes God has to awaken us to say, I called you to be my people. You've lost sight of the original vision for your life. You need to wake up. Reach over and, and I'm getting heavy in here. Reach over and shove your neighbor and say, wake up, wake up, wake up. There you go. Hang with me. We're good. We're good. Nehemiah envisioned, follow me, a, a city that was walled and protected and rebuilt. He had to awaken them. Y'all know I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and I love, and there's a scene in there in, um, in Bilbo's life, The Hobbits, where they show it. It used to be just in the book, where Gandalf comes in and tries to awaken Bilbo Baggins because Bilbo Baggins was Turkish, and um, he was also, um, I can't remember what the other thing was, but he was, one was sedentary and one was alive. And, and uh, Gandalf says, Bilbo, wake up, because he had all these excuses. He said, you're the chosen deliver or you're the chosen a person in this story and all the hobbits begin to jump up and open the cabinets and they then they start singing this Turkish song and you watch Bilbo all of a sudden he remembers I'm going to tell you every Sunday morning when you come in here to the house of the Lord we are not hobbits <laughs> but every Sunday morning when you come in here when we sing the songs of the Lord we're trying to awaken the God DNA in you we're trying to remind you you're children of God when the word goes forth, we're trying to awaken you. You belong to the king. Come on. Don't stay comfortable with fear. Don't stay comfortable with anger. Don't stay comfortable with lack of self-control. Don't stay comfortable with feelings of worthlessness. Don't stay comfortable. Holy Spirit is awakening that swashbuckler inside of you that says, I have authority from the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and I'm going to rise up and build my future. Give yourself a hand. It's good. So how is a big word? Number seven, how is God's specialty? How is God's specialty? How, when, when we go to do something for the Lord, we always wonder, how, how can that happen? How can I do that? I'm going to tell you, how is never a problem for God. How is never. You are not responsible for the how. You just need to surrender and let the who bring the how about. Amen. Um, Ephesians 3 and 20 says that, um, that to him who is able to do exceedingly, say exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think or imagine. The other day I was trying to fill in the blank about something. Several things I'm trying to fill in the blank about right now. For the church, about uh, future and all that. And the Lord said, you need to stop that. And I said, well, I'm a contemplator. I don't know if you do that or not. And I need to plan this out. He said, well, my word says in Ephesians 3 and 20, to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think or imagine. So why are you trying to fill in the blank? If you let me fill in the blank, you are going to be amazed. And you and I need to say to God, I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm not responsible for figuring out the next step in my life, figuratively speaking. But think back on a moment. Can you think of anyone in the Old Testament who knew the how? Moses came into the Red Sea. He didn't know the how. But they crossed the Red Sea. Moses got them out of Egypt. He didn't know the how. Jesus tells the disciples, we're going to feed these 15,000 people with five loaves and fishes. Can you see the disciples getting together thinking, how is this even possible? I want you to say, how is in God's hand? No, listen to this. In every situation, um, are you prepared to come help me, Josh? I forgot to ask you. In every situation, we still got to travel a little bit. 
God orchestrates events in such a way. Listen to me. When you look back, when Nehemiah looks back, he's trying to awaken the people to rise up and build. We're being awakened tonight that we would have confidence in our future, that we would do what God's called us to do and do it with peace. Even in the meantime, Nehemiah had no idea. But when we look back, I want you to say, when I look back, you'll recognize the thumbprint of God. When you tell your story, you'll tell somebody. And then I was here, and all of a sudden, somebody told me about that. And then I was here, and I, I, I could tell my story, but that's not important tonight for another time. And then God, me, God my, here, my greatest miracles of my life, I still look back and say, I freaking don't know how that happened. Come on. I don't know how God got me to that point and how he made that happen. I just felt like I should go there. When Peter was walking on the water, he was fine until he focused on the how. But when he focused on the one who had called him, he was okay. He didn't have the vision to walk on water, but he had the vision from the Lord. On your paper, it says, once in Jerusalem, Nehemiah went in the middle of the night to inspect the broken walls. Everyone say broken walls. I love this because it said he told no one what God had put in his heart for Jerusalem. Watch this. It's kind of like we talked about spiritual gifts. I mean, he rides in with a Persian envoy, horses and soldiers into Jerusalem, dusty, and here they come. I mean, I don't know about you, but in my flesh, I would be willing to say right there, here I come to save the day. Come on, somebody. I'm here. You know, he, he could have been tempted to say that, but he didn't. Underneath there it says, walk before you talk, investigate before you initiate. Count the cost. Say count the cost. Luke 14, Jesus said, which one of you when he wants to build a tower does not first sit down to calculate the cost, to see if he has enough to complete it? Nehemiah didn't say a word for three days. How many could keep quiet for three minutes? Come on. Someone say, he did it. Say it with me, he did it say a word he shows great wisdom and discretion remember we studied Joseph he wrong decision was telling his half-brothers his dream and he paid for it some things we need to keep are tell with godly people pastors and leaders it have to be a pastor I'm not saying because I'm up here being one of the other pastors here one of the other leaders because his original intent the reason he went around the walls was that he was gonna watch this he was gonna rebuild the walls to their original intent but when he got there there was one part that Chris read about. He couldn't get into that part of the city. The rubbish and the trash and the rubble. Next week is going to be from rubble to revival. Come on, somebody. He couldn't even get into that part. So he saw, I need to redefine my plan. It's okay. I want you to say it's okay to redefine the plan. And he did that. I think another beautiful thing about him is, uh, let me go ahead and read what's about this whole passage. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arab heard it, they laughed. Someone say laughed. They despised us. Have you ever felt despised when you shared your future, your hope? And they said, what is this thing that you're doing? You're rebelling against the king, which was a false accusation. So I answered them, I said, and this is what it says in the New King James, the God of heaven himself. I want everyone to say the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we're going to arise and build what you said we couldn't do. We're going to do. Now, this one, the flipping overnight. I'm going to take over the city. He had been months praying and fasting. That was last week. He'd been months thinking through. He had spent three days 
going and looking at the damage. But what he said to us, you're going to have no heritage or right to this work. Sometimes we've got to tell our enemy that you have no right. Someone say no right. Listen, this is so beautiful. It said he arose in the middle of the night. The reason I love this is in the darkest moments of our life, Holy Spirit rises in the night, doesn't he? When you think about your night seasons, when you just went to bed so heavy, you maybe cried yourself to sleep, anybody? Or you just went to bed thinking, I've got no hope. But somehow when the sun came up, it wasn't just the sun and the new morning, the new mercy, true. But I believe Holy Spirit works in the night seasons of our life figuratively and literally. Zephaniah said, the Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. He is mighty to save. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with song. I think sometimes in the middle of the night when we're troubled, we may not even remember that dream. But the next morning we just wake up and hope is back up. Can I get an amen? We just wake up the next morning and we feel a little better. Anybody thankful for that work of the Holy Spirit? I know I am. Can you honor him for that tonight? I love that. But also I think in the night seasons, he searches just like Nehemiah went in to look at the walls. He wanted to see the damage. There's been some times when I felt, especially through my inner healing before God restored me to Pastor Hank, sometimes I was like, Holy Spirit, please don't do that. Please don't, please don't dig into that hurt. Please don't dig into that unforgiveness. I'm begging you. Holy Spirit, please, I've, I've locked it up. Please, please don't do that. But he just kept pressing. He's a gentleman, but he is determined. He kept pressing, I'm going to deal with your insecurity. I could never do what I do tonight or anywhere else I do if Holy Spirit had not searched my walls and continues to search them. Holy Spirit accesses the damage, but what you and I have to remember, there's a difference between him accessing the damage and your adversary falsely accusing you and pointing out your weaknesses with no hope of redemption. Can I get an amen? That is not the voice of God. I want you to say, that is not... The voice of God. I was taught by my elders, never leave anyone without hope that there's a tomorrow for them. And that's Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something. In those moments when he's hurling those um, accusations, you and I have an advocate in Jesus Christ. If God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? If it's God who justifies, so who is he that condemns satanic opposition comes against us and just natural enemies in the world but Jesus continually I want someone to say Jesus continually reminds us there is hope now I don't think this is on your paper hang with me we're almost there I got to end with the thing I think the Lord gave me the most we're almost there he said you see the distress that we are in how Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burnt and I told them I want you to say I told them Come on, I told them. Say it one more time. I told them how the hand of the Lord, the good hand. Someone say the good hand. You know, your mom ever put her hand on you and it was not good? Or your daddy? And I mean it just in spanking and stuff. This is the good hand of the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. When you begin to tell people, I'm going to tell you, I don't know how it happened. But all of a sudden, the hand of the Lord made this happen in my life. Nehemiah convinced them to rebuild by telling them how the hand of God had moved behind the scenes. 
You and I will influence others and ourselves, and we remind ourselves. I'm, I'm gonna. Will you give me two extra minutes? Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the three of you. I appreciate you. But here's the deal. Listen. I was watching a movie tonight. I don't want to say what it is because it's a Christian movie, but people have a different idea on it. My daughters had seen it. My best friends had all seen it, almost all of them. And I took time off and I watched it. I'd read the book years ago. And it's about a man like Hosea believing for his wife. And it was tough because she was sold into child sex slavery. It's, it's a very well-known book and Christian movie now. And when it ended, the man, I don't want to ruin it, but the man, the man Jessica, is waiting in a field for her. And I was watching it by myself. I didn't want to go see it at the theater. And um, I was watching it on demand TV. And when it went off, this thing rose up in me, watching him stand there. I'm probably going to cry. And all I could see was Pastor Hank for three years believing for me. And this, woo, these tears started rolling. I mean, I couldn't hardly breathe because that's all I could see. And I've told that story a thousand times for almost 40 years. But that's all I could see. And when it went off, I couldn't stop crying. I just began to walk around. This is ending somewhere good. Walking around on my, just praying in the spirit while my cat looked at me. Wow, you've gone too far this time. But anyway, just kept walking around the rug, praying in the spirit. And I just said, you know, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that he had that faith to believe me. When I divorced him over cocaine, thank you, God, my life would never have been what it is if he had not had that tenacity to believe for me oh holy spirit i don't know how this works but if you could tell him one more time thank you for believing for me because he just had bulldog tenacity against all odds faith you know our story for three years no communication nothing and it was done i just had cried and prayed it all out just beautiful memory i'm forever grateful of it but this is the cute part. I was telling Joni this. Then I was walking through, and the Holy Spirit said, You know, and I thought, okay, here it comes. You know, it was awesome, his faith. Yes, sir. You know, it was incredible that he stood. Yes, sir. He said, But you know, I'm the one that kept him on the path. It was my hand that pushed him. When he wanted to give up, I pushed him more. And I kept on and I pressed in. And this is, this is the killer. He said, and you know what, Rhonda Davis? I am still with you today. And my hand is working in your behalf. And I will not fail you now. For it is I who do these things. Oh, somebody give Jesus a hand clap of praise. And then I said, I know that Holy Spirit. <laughs> But thank you for reminding me. Number eight, God's hand orchestrating events in your life is a confirmation of the will of God. See, they sat spellbound. They thought they had been forgotten. Stay with me. I mean, three more minutes, we're good. They thought they'd been forgotten. It's like all of a sudden, he says, okay, I was cut bare to the king. I mean, he gathers them all up, all the thousands of Jews, and he's speaking from whatever platform he had, and he said, I was cupbearer to the king. I was servant. I was living in bondage. And then one day I heard what was going on with you. When you tell people how God moves on your heart for them, it moves them. And then he says, and then I just couldn't, I couldn't stop crying. I, I prayed and cried for four months, didn't say a word to nobody. And then one day my opening came and I told him. And then I said, I want wood. I want authority. I want horsemen. I want this and I want that. And the king gave it to me. When they 
heard that they were spellbound. I'm telling you, there's moments coming in your life and my life and someone's going to say something to you and you're going to realize God has not forgotten you. God has been working the whole time to do good for you. God has been behind the scenes for that child, for that marriage, for whatever. Because the Lord loves you, He brought you out with a mighty hand and He redeemed you. Can I get an amen? It is God's hand. Give Him a hand clap of praise. For He ransomed us from darkness. I want to tell you something about God's hand. I don't know that you want something until you move your hand for it. You want this cookie? You want this pie? You want this cake? You want this $1,000 bill? You want it? I don't know until you reach out your hand to get it. God's the same way. We don't know what he's thinking. We don't know the good and awesome plans. We don't know what he's preparing until we have seen the result of his hand reaching out and securing victory for you and I. Mighty is the hand of the Lord. When the devil had his hand around you, it was God's hand that reached in and removed his hand off of you. I'm going to tell you, come on, praise him. Mighty is his hand. Powerful is his hand. Glorious is his hand. His mighty hand moves on our behalf. And it's moving on Nehemiah's behalf. And it's moving to the people who are so spellbound. They're like, we've lived here with these broken walls for so long. We just, things have not been good. And we just really thought we were stepchildren of God. And I don't mean step in a bad way. We were substitute children. We were unloved and forgotten just living we got comfortable we got accustomed to the way things were and we were just living among all these things hang with me just living among all these things we just got accustomed to it but now you're telling us the king of persia whose ancestors destroyed our city has sent you with authority he sent you with money he sent you with security you're telling us what he said, what you said back to him, and then he said it back to you, and then you said it back to him. We had no idea, but now we've got hope, and we're going to rise up and build and put our hands to the job. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And that's what you and I've got to do. have got one more, and we're done. I'm going to pray for you. Listen, Exodus 13 14 says, By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out. I want you to say, by strength of hand. Everything you're enjoying right now, everything you have is the strength of the Lord's hand. If you're alive, it's the strength of the Lord's hand. And you have a testimony how the strength of the Lord's hand has worked on you. But listen to me. He goes on Exodus 13. Follow me. Follow me. It says we are told that whenever our children, that's what he says in Exodus, come to us and they want to know, why are we offering our substance? Why do we go to church on Sunday? Why do we praise the Lord? Why do we pray every night? Every night my parents prayed. And we won't fail to give you the praise, Lord, for these things that we have requested. It's a powerful statement. And when our children ask us why, we're going to say, because everything we have, that we have a roof over the head, our heads, the strength of the hand of the Lord. The fact that we have a car to drive in, that we have clothes to wear, that we have food to eat, regardless if we're living at Hope House, our own house, our rented house, apartment house, whatever. We have these things because the Lord. So when the gas bill is paid, the strength of the hand of the Lord did that. When the roof is fixed, the strength of the hand of the Lord did that. When we have this to happen and that to happen and we meet our future spouse or we get that better job or something happens, don't you say, I so faithful, I so good, they just love me. No, we say the strength 
of the hand of the Lord reached in and did what only God can do. Come on, give him praise. And if he did it before, he'll do it again. Someone say, if he did it before, he'll do it again. I wonder what testimony you're coming. Are you going to rise up and build? Are you going to be awakened tonight? Is this going to awaken you? When you think how God's hand has moved in your life, will it awaken you to believe for God's hand to move in other situations? Because this is the point. Nehemiah took no credit. Number nine, never take credit for what God's hand has accomplished in your life. He said, the God of heaven will help us succeed. And we, his servants, will what? Read it. Come on. We'll start rebuilding the wall. I want you to say it out loud with me. The God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. I want to say to you tonight that verse at the bottom of your paper, when restoration comes out of Joel 2, praise your holy name. Hallelujah. You'll be full of praises to your God. The God who has set you back on your heels in wonder. Never again will my people be despised. You'll know without question that I'm in the thick of life with you. That I'm your God. Yes, your God. The one and only God. I want you to say he's my God. The one and only God. So before I pray for you, won't you look at me? I want to ask the Holy Spirit to awaken you. There's some healing coming and the week's coming. There's some, we're going to learn how to deal with criticism. We're going to learn how to deal with the doubting voice that says you'll make no difference. Nehemiah is an extraordinary leader. But all these points I will not re-speak to you. It's your idea. It's your responsibility to locate yourself. Don't wait till these rewards come. Consider yourself successful today. Will you be awakened to what God wants to do through you? He's done so much, but we're still here. We're still alive. Life has taken on a bigger meaning to me. We're still here and we're alive. What will we do? What will this church do? Our anniversary is the first Sunday of March and we're going to rebuild a wall with charred stones. I've already kind of contemplated how we might do this as an illustration. I'm not going to go out down to the end of the street. Look at your neighbor and say, thank God, thank God. She lost me right there. But here's the deal. Will you be awakened to rise up and build your life? Will you hang in there and stay in the process? Will you remember what the good hand of the Lord has done for you? Will you believe he's going to do even better? It is God's strength that's gotten you here. As every eye is closed, every head is bowed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for your word to just hit home. Spirit of God, I'd like to sit with every person in this room and just say, hey, this point was for you. And that if you were to give me that inspiration, but I can't, Holy Spirit, help them to locate themselves. Help what's been done even if they can't remember what they sensed help them to remember it. your hand did it all lord let us rise up to build our future let us be awakened to who we are in you god children of the most high god don't let us be accustomed to things just being bad and anger and fear and torment addiction um low self-esteem insignificant feelings lord that we become accustomed to awaken us to use our authority of the king above our head and to say no 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 the king jesus is the name i will speak my wholeness and deliverance to yours is the kingdom and the power forever father we give you glory in jesus name everyone said amen give the lord one more hand clap